I love this morning. Um, you know, there's a, I, I, I hope you're listening this morning for the theme. Uh, there's a theme in our gathering almost every time we meet, almost every time we gather and sing songs and, and so on. And, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, I'm, I'm always more encouraged when we meet because I see the clues along the way that God is leaving and what he's doing and the testimony of people that confirms what I think uh, I see in the Lord, whether it be dreams or visions or so on. So I'm encouraged this morning. We're becoming a spiritual people. We're becoming a people who can look into spiritual places and know and discern the times and the seasons. We're becoming a people to know more about the realm of the Spirit than we do even the natural. Amen? So we're not to become so spiritual that we're no earthly good, right? But we're also not to be putting more weight on natural understanding than that which God has said, what God is revealing. He reveals through visions and dreams. He reveals through our everyday experiences. He reveals himself through our conversation. He reveals himself through his creation. And I want you to understand that God is faithful to complete everything that He started. Amen? And He started creating in you the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ, when you accepted Him. Amen? And I love some of the stories because many of us right now are under such pressure. We're under such trial and tribulation. And we're under such... There's so much evidence around us that we see with the natural. Read the newspaper. Turn on the TV. Everywhere, there's testimony about bad things that are going on. And it's easy to become overwhelmed. It's easy to be thinking about that more than the things of God. It's easy to be thinking about the testimony that these natural eyes see and these natural ears hear and this body feels, right? Because we're body, soul, and spirit. The way the body feels than that which the Lord has spoken. And this morning... Um, I am trying to put everything that God has put in my heart into just some minutes, and it's difficult to do, right? I mean, I just but bear with me. Amen. Bear with me. I'm reminded of a story that, um, especially because of the way the morning has gone, uh, there was a story. There was a king of Assyria coming against the children of Israel, and he was coming to make war. Right, And somehow the king of Israel knew the strategies of the king of Syria. And almost everything that he was doing, uh, the, the Israel was there to somehow get ahead. So it was armies against armies in those days. And the king of Syria is convinced that there's a mole someplace, right? There's, a, there's somebody in his... In, in his, uh, in, into his cabinet or his advisors that are really infiltrating who he is and what he's trying to do. So he's asking his wise men, who is it? One of you has got to be because this thing can't happen this way. And one of his wise men came and said, well, actually, your uh, king, there's uh, a prophet that hears everything that you say in the secret places of your bedroom. And he is the one that's telling the king of Israel who 
in what we're doing. And the king turns into a rage and he says, I want that man found, right? And he happens to be in a place called Dothan. And uh, that's a very prophetic place in the word. And the king says, uh, I want you to go and send an army against that man. So think about this. One man and the king of Syria dispatches his army to get one man. So they were traveling all night. They didn't go by day. They traveled in the secret of night, in the darkness of the night. They arrived at the city. And Elisha had a servant that was attending to him. And he wakes up in the morning and he says, Oh my gosh. He says, We are surrounded. We're done. We're in this little town called Dothan. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's no army here. There's no, there's no dispatch of, 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 of the kinds of military force that we need to turn this thing around. For some reason, Elisha wasn't as concerned as his servant was. And Elisha says, O oh God of heaven and earth, thank you that there's more with us than there are with them. And he says, would you open the eyes of my servant to see? That's where we are right now. Your eyes are being opened to see. Surely there's a threat. Surely there are boastful, prideful, arrogant, because we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities and powers in wicked places. You need to understand that these are the days where your adversary wants you to give up what you're doing. This is the days where your adversary is running his mouth day and night trying to convince you that things are not as they appear in the Spirit. Things are more like they appear in the natural. But these are the days where God anoints His children to see the truth. To look on the hills of the mountains and see the chariots of fire and see the angels, and see the, the, the communities of heaven that God dispatches. These are the days where your, your, your spiritual vision is enlarged. You're in the midst of a trial. God never intended you to die in the middle of the trial. He wants, he's bringing you to a place through the trial to a greater place of knowing Him a greater anointing to overcome, a greater power and authority to issue the Word of God against your enemies. Right? Elisha said, look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, Maker of heaven and earth. Amen? The message today has been seek, ask, and knock. It's been spoken four different times so far. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock until the door is open and you encounter Him. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't compromise. Don't give up anything. No deals. He's listening. Jesus, the Father, the courts of heaven have been opened and they're attentive to your cry. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. He said, for everyone, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Brothers and sisters, we're on, the, we're on the verge of the threshold, entering in to a new and anointed place in God. Or if there is a son who asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or will, if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Surely you're in the midst of a trial. Surely you're into the midst of the hardest things maybe that you've ever experienced. But the judge is listening. The judge of heaven and earth is listening to your cry. He is attentive. He knows. I want to tell you about two stories. There are two witnesses in the same, same thing. I just gave you one. There's actually three, right? The second witness is there was another king of Assyria. And he wants to come against Judah this time. And it's found in Second Chronicles chapter 32. There's a wicked uh, general, his name is uh, uh, Sennacherib, that is the descendant of another man that was also leading a great army. And Assyria at that time is conquering region after region. And they're falling like dominoes. And these really wicked leaders of this army are coming into Israel and they're starting to uh they're starting to lay siege to the towns and the cities and so in this case they come to the they come to Judah the land the land the 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 physical place and they're going to lay siege against Jerusalem and the king of Jerusalem gets just like it was in the story that I told you, Elisha. Some are rising up saying, what are we going to do? And he starts thinking, well, the, the full army isn't here yet. Let's go out into the land and stop up all the wells so there's no water here for them to drink. <clears throat> and he's thinking about a natural response to the natural threat. And he's going out into the land. So this is a king. This is a king now. Israel, Judah. And he's forming his battle plans. And so they stop up all the wells. And in another place it says they gathered an incredible offering and they sent it to the king of Syria. Trying to make a deal. Trying to buy your way out of the potential of the siege and warfare and death. Trying to buy your way out. 
kings and people of those days are no different from people of this day. We feel threatened. Our bodies feel weak. We feel fear. We feel anxiety. And we wonder, how? How? And so we seek natural things. And God very much works through natural things. But we're coming to a place where God wants you to see a new heaven, a new anointing. And so the king, I'm going to hurry the story up a little bit. The king, uh, that doesn't work. And the armies are assembling outside the city now. And more of them are coming. And they're laying siege against the city. And sieges last for sometimes months and months and months. It feels like we've been in the battle for years. Waiting for the breakthrough. Stay tuned in. Stay tuned. Stay with me. And so the king is wondering, what are we going to do? It got so bad, this siege against the city. They didn't have food and bread and water. And the word tells us that they began to have, uh, be a part of cannibalism. And in the one case, uh, two women have two children, and they say, well, let's eat our children because we're going to die. That's how th- bad things got. And so they eat the one, and then the other woman says no, and there's this conflict. And so just to lay a little foundation about how, things, how bad things are. This guy, Shenekarib, is an awful, brutal individual. Brutal. They've already heard about the other towns and villages that he's taken over. Word has gotten around just like it does today. Word gets around. And he comes. And so now the king says to the people, he gathers them together, and he opens the square of the city gate, and he gave them encouragement saying, be strong and courageous, and don't be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are much more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. So now all of a sudden he changes his battle strategy from the things of the natural into the things of the Spirit. There are more with us. Don't be afraid of him. He is just flesh and blood. He is just natural natural people with natural armies. So if you look at the natural, it would be hard not to be afraid because of the hundreds of thousands of armies that were outside the city gate in the valley. They were looking down on them. Hundreds of thousands. Be hard not to be afraid. It would be hard to carry on a day and not believe that you're just is my day today that I'm going to die? Is tomorrow the day I'm going to die? I just heard my neighbor ate their child. And on and on and on. But the king comes and he gathers the people. He turns and he cries out to God. He seeks the prophet. 
And he and the prophet are crying out to God. And God says to him, Gather the people and speak this word. Gathers the people. After that, because of the way things work, there wasn't an internet, but they surely knew. The king, the, the, the leader of the Assyrian army knew. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem, but all the forces with him laid siege against the place. Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, what do you trust in? What you remain, when you remain under siege in Jerusalem, does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying the Lord will deliver you from our hand and the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar and burn incense on it. You have to understand, he took the gold. He took the things that were in the temple. He took the holy things of God. He took the, 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 anything that was valuable and he sent it to this king of Assyria, saying, This will appease him. This is what he wants. It wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to destroy God's people. You have an adversary. God is allowing you to see more of the strategies of your adversary today than you did a year ago. He's allowing you to look into the spiritual places and understand really who your adversaries are. Your adversary is a spirit that comes to kill, steal, and destroy anything that represents or points to God. And because you're saved and you gave your life to God, and God is drawing you to the high places that He has been thrown out of, you're hated. You need to understand you're in a war. If you don't believe that there are adversaries for your life, then you're not in the army of the Lord. So the king tried to appease. Deals cannot be made with the adversary. He'll break it and he'll lie. He'll cheat and steal. Anything to destroy, anything that you represent of God. That's why God intends on bringing you to a new place. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? This is the Assyrian army speaking. What the gods of the nation and their lands in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my father didn't utterly destroy that could deliver this people from my hand? That your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this. And do not believe him. For the God of any nation or any kingdom that was able to deliver His people from my hand and from my fathers, there was none. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? So this is an individual who thinks he is more stronger 
more powerful, has a greater army, and nothing has been able to stop him. And now Hezekiah gets the people together and says, don't look at the 200,000 men that are across the valley that are laying siege to us. Don't do that. You send him all of our gold and all of our precious things. He didn't turn away and go back to Assyria. He's still there. No deals. God is not allowing us as a people to make any deals in the day that we're in. He's not allowing us to compromise. He's not allowing us to have a respite from the enemy by having some secret talks and coming to an agreement. As the story goes on, now because Hezekiah, king, and the prophet Isaiah, and the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven, then the Lord sent an angel and cut down every mighty man of valor and the captain in the camp of the king of Assyria, so he returned to his own land shamefaced. It says that there were 180,000 men killed by the hand of the Lord. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but we have the Old Testament as a type and a shadow speaking into the future of the day that we are in. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against principalities and powers in high heavenly wicked places. You cannot overcome them on your own lest you be like Hezekiah and try to make some sort of deal that God would not accept. God wants everything. God wants everything that was His returned to His kingdom. There's one more story that I want to tell you about that points to who our God is in the days that we're in of why you are being trained up, why you're going through a battle, why you're going through something that it could be life-changing. Who are you trusting in? Trust in the Lord. But while you trust in the Lord, God will give you things to do. You're not immune from having activity and responsibility on your part. In one case, God killed the Assyrian, 180,000 Assyrians one day. We have types and shadows. So God is capable of doing that, but there's purpose in the battle. And the purpose in the battle is for you to know how to operate in spiritual places as sons, to be raised up, to know how to get a word from heaven. And when the word of heaven is contrary to what you see with the natural eyes, you have a decision to make. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the natural, the way Hezekiah started to, and make deals and strategize on the way through the trial? Or are you going to take the bread from heaven And let it sustain you until there's nothing else you can do and then you need the hand of God. 
He is the deliverer today, just like He was back in the days of Egypt, back in the days of Hezekiah, back in the days of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jonathan, David. The last story I want to tell you, I know we're running a little late, but bear with me. There was a guy that had some friends, and he knew his God. And they had an intimate relationship with their God. Daniel was his name. Azariah, Hananiah. Michelle. Those were the names of a small group of people whose very names testified of who God is. Their very names. They were given Hebrew names, and those Hebrew names testified of their God and the, their meaning. Again, uh, Jerusalem is overtaken. They go into Assyria. Babylon, the distant countries, distant lands, they're taken captive. And one of the first things done is they were changed, the, the king of that land changed their names. Daniel was changed to Belshazzar. Azariah was changed to Abednego. Babylonian god of wisdom. That's what that means. Hananiah was changed to Shadrach, which was a moon god. Mishil, whose very name means like God, was changed to a Babylonian name. In other words, what they were saying is, forget everything you came from. Forget your God. Forget the Holy Land. Forget the temple. Forget the, the laws of God. Forget the principles of God. Forget it. We've captured you. You're ours now. You're ours. And we want you to take on our customs. We want you to take on our ways. We want you to take on our thinking. We want you to take on your language. Forsake your God. So the king starts training these up because they're wise men. They're very intelligent. They're smart. The king sees value in keeping them around. <clears throat> he goes out into the open Nebuchadnezzar king, made an image of gold. It was huge out in the desert. And this is a strategy that he has. And this image of gold was like 90 feet tall, like 15 feet wide. Huge. You could see it from a long way off. It's like a beacon. And he decides to tell the children of Israel and all of the people under his rule and his reign, when you hear the lute and the harp and the praising and the dancing and the sounds of the instruments and on and on, you're going to fall down prostrate and worship that idol. Most of the people in the land didn't have a problem with that. Daniel, Azariah, Hananiah, and Michelle had a problem with that. And so when the day comes, and there are multitudes out in front, there's four individuals that wouldn't bow. 
So they went to tell the king. The king was irate. What do you mean they didn't bow? Of course they're going to bow. Bring them into my presence immediately. King says, why didn't you bow? Okay, we'll forget about that. I'm going to tell you one more time. The harp, the lute, the lyre, the instruments, the trumpets are going to sound. If you bow down and worship my image, I'll forgive and you get to live. But if you don't, if you don't, you're going to die. And they said, King, we have no need to think about what our answer is going to be. We already know. We're not going to bow down and worship any God but our God who is God. And so the king is more irate and as the story continues, they had a furnace nearby. They, he, they heated the furnace. It was an outdoor furnace. It was huge. We've seen some pictures of what it might have looked like in that day. And the king orders that the three, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego now, under their new names, be thrown into the furnace. They're going to lose their lives. And he says, what do you say to that? Will you bow down and worship my God, who is this image of, they actually had many gods? They said, no. No. You want to talk about life trials. They made a decision right then, in that moment of time, our God is fully able to deliver me. But if He doesn't, He is still God. In other words, I'm not only willing to die, this may be my last few moments on this earth, but He is still God. And so the king is enraged and he's stomping around like a madman and he orders the three to be taken up onto the hill and thrown into the fiery furnace. And it tells us that the fiery furnace was so hot that it consumed the guards who threw the three into the furnace. And the Word tells us that they were all there watching, the king included, his governors, his cabinet members, all of the people that made up his government were there watching. And the Word tells us, all of a sudden, the king looks into the fiery furnace and he says, wait a minute, there's someone in there that looks like the Son of God. There's four people in there. What is going on? They should have fallen down dead because I see my military people dead on the outside of the door of the furnace. But yet I look into the flames and I see three individuals and they're not prostrate on the coals and burning fire. They're walking around. I want to see God in the midst of the fiery flames that we are in right now. I want to see Jesus manifested in a way where every accusation against you, where every single uh, cry or every single uh, false witness says what the King said. 
And they said, we threw them into this furnace bound hand and foot with these ropes. They tried to fight, but they didn't win. We threw them into this furnace, and now there's four people that we see in there, and they're not laying down dead, they're walking around. Call them out of the furnace. Call them out. I want to talk to them. Sometimes in the trial, God will let us go through places in life and then show up in the very midst of when any another moment would have been impossible to be sustained. God is a deliverer because He has a greater purpose than just the lives of three men. He has a purpose. He wants to make Himself known to a nation. He wants to make Himself known to even the king who is doing this wicked thing. Can you imagine the love of God where God didn't just smite the king and do away with him? He gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to come to know him, to understand who he is, what his heart is, how long-suffering he is, how passionate he is. And so the king is there and he says, bring them out, brings them out. They didn't have the smell of the fire. All of the bonds which were put on their physical bodies that were meant to restrain them had been removed. In the midst of the trial, I'm expecting heaven to move like the stories of the days of old on our behalf because God is a God who does the same thing over and over and over again in a different place, through a different people. And that's why I'm believing that our God knows and sees and understands. And when these three individuals that had been told to forsake everything they were hoping for, the prophecies over their life, what God made real to them at the time they found God, what the people and the the governors were saying around them, distant land, you'll never see the holy city again. In other words, you'll never see your God again. That's how it translates today. You'll never see your God show up on your behalf. That's what they were saying. But God, because of the passion that's in His heart wanting to be revealed, brought these three individuals out. They weren't burned. They, weren't, they didn't have third-degree burns. I don't know if there's a fourth or a fifth, but they didn't have any burns. Their clothes didn't smell. They didn't smell like hash sheep. They were normal. And the king is like, what is going on? What is going on? And to bring this story to a close, he says, I'm going to issue a new proclamation. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is God. There is no other God like Him. And anybody found worshiping any other God than the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will have that fate. So now you have the king turning around. And an entire nation now has a new, dec- a de- a new decree. 
And you have to understand that these men continued to serve under the anointing and the favor of God. Can you imagine how the day before they were thinking about life is over? Everything I'd been hoping for, it's over. I'm not going to worship that image and I can't leave this land. And now the very next day, the king calls them out of the fiery furnace. Can you imagine the Assyrians interviewing these men? What was it like in that fiery furnace? What was it like in the middle of the trial? What were you thinking? Were you afraid? Yeah! I was afraid, but I was trusting in my God. What was it like? What, were your, what, were your, what was your family saying? Worship the image? How do, what was the struggle that you were going on? And now all of a sudden this new testimony breaks into the atmosphere. And instead of worshiping golden images, setting up on some, they're thinking about there is a God that we don't know that delivered three individuals. And now the king himself is saying. So as I close, I want to remind you of the last story. And this is very quick. 1 Samuel 17, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. There was another battle that Israel was going to have to fight. And in that battle, two armies set up from each other on two separate hills. And in those days, the strongest armies won. And because Israel's army wasn't as strong, they were waiting, waiting, waiting. Now this giant of a man comes out on the brow of the hill and starts taunting the people in the same way this wicked Assyrian general did. Nobody can withstand us. We have taken every town and every city we have ever come up against. They're paralyzed with fear. If you're able to take this man down, we'll serve you. But if you can't, you're going to serve us. David, this little boy, comes He's not a little boy. He's, he's a young man. He comes along. And his attitude is, I trust in my God more than what my natural eyes are seeing and assessing. And he comes and he says, nobody else wants to fight this battle. I've heard it said that the battles in the Northeast are more intense and stronger than almost every other place in our nation. Nobody wants to seem to fight this battle. Nobody wants to say to the adversary, you don't belong there. Nobody wants to be able to say, I might lose my life, but I'm going to step out and trust and confront this wicked spirit under the anointing of the living God. And if I lose my life, He's still God. Listen to what David says. Young man, who's already been trained up and has some trials under his, under, in his heart that he's already won out in the field late in the days and the nights of bears and lions. 
You come against me with sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The day the, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take off your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass, I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will not fail. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. But you're called to walk in the way that He told you to walk. God, like He did with the kings of Assyria, can destroy your enemy overnight so you wake up in the morning and your enemies are dead. But more often than not, and by the way, that's a prophetic voice that speaks to where His bride is going. There's going to be a day where she looks for the adversaries but finds none. There's going to be a day where though you would seek them, they're not to be found. So that's a prophetic voice declaring what we're going to experience. But there's also a prophetic voice that says, I'm going to perfect you. I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to teach you to rely on me through the midst of the trial. And I will show up in the midst of the furnace and deliver you so that the multitude will know that there is a God in Israel and His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.